Welcome to the Pemberley Podcast, a podcast where we discuss Jane Austen adaptations, now covering Recipe for Persuasion by Sonali Dev. I'm Yolanda Rodriguez. And I'm Jillian Davis. We are proud partners of the Frolic Podcast Network, a community made up of your favorite voices in all of Romancelandia and beyond. Keep up with us on Twitter and Instagram at the Pemberley, and you can email us at thepemberleypodcast at gmail.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to, I can't even say, another exciting episode, because it is a very exciting episode, but this is our last episode talking about Recipe for Persuasion, and I'm really sad about it. Yeah, we've been on this journey since the beginning of quarantine, honestly, so isn't that wild to think that like this book has taken us through where we're at with quarantine so far. I can't say the end because we don't know what's going to happen. The end is not real. This has just been such a phenomenal book and it's like introed us to like a great series. The other thing that we want to plug here is we've released our interview with author Sonali Dev and we highly encourage you to listen to this one. We don't want to play favorites because we love absolutely every interview we've ever done. We're so grateful anytime anyone gives us an hour of their time. We just had such a good time. Sonali is just so smart and she's just so about this world. We don't have to tell you guys. You know how special it is when you're into something that not everyone is into, but when you find someone who is just as into it and then they've just gone and written a beautiful book series about it and then you just get to like ask just a seed of a question and then they just tell you everything you wanted to know and more. That's what it was. She really talks about these books as homages to Austin, but also, you know, just mixing in everything that she's learned and her own own culture too and so it really just adds to the richness of these worlds and this story that she's created so if you're a fan of this book and you want to become even more of a fan of it and Sonali definitely check out that interview if you've been listening this whole time you know this book is just so layered and beautiful and like something that we definitely touched on with Sonali was like there's a lot of dark themes in this book you know it was kind of a shock for us because covering Jane Austen adaptations we don't ever have to give like a ton of disclaimers about what we're going to talk about. She talked about how she didn't see that as much of a stretch and it was just so fascinating and so lovely. Just go listen to it. Go listen to it. Pause this episode. (laughs) Listen to her interview. So this is our final episode discussing Recipe for Persuasion and we are happy and sad about it. Before we like dive into stuff, I mean, how do you feel, Yolanda? I mean, it's been fun to dive into a book like this so in depth. I feel like it's something I haven't done since school really of like just like taking a book and analyzing every part of it and all the characters and all the themes I mean again I I really enjoyed the book but hearing Sonali just talk about it the way she did I was like wow it just adds like all this wonderful context into the story too but it's sad I mean we've come to know these characters of Ashna and Rico for so long now it's sad to kind of let them go and live their lives in their own fictional way but it's exciting though to know that there's still that Sonali is planning two more Rajay family books that are going to be retellings of Austin books so we are still going to get to follow these characters along their journeys yes I'm very excited that even though Rico and Ashna's main conflict love story is ending after this episode their life together is definitely not ending we can't wait to see more bro moments between Yash <laughs> and Rico whatever she wants to give us we're just happy to be here yeah (laughs) 
All right. I guess we just dive into the last three chapters. Previously in Recipe for Persuasion, Ashna walks all the way to Rico's hotel where they spend a passionate night together and open up about their breakup all those years ago. After 12 years, they are finally on the same page. They understand each other. I feel like everything that's ever been unresolved is finally out in the open and they can fully understand and love each other, which is really beautiful. Yeah. Rico's like, I'm never gonna leave you. And she's like, great, love it. I have something I've got to resolve though. And she basically takes off and heads back to her house to see Shobi. Her conflict with Shobi is sort of the last big reconciliation that she needs to make in this book because we've had our night with Rico. They are back together and they're like, why haven't we been doing this the whole time? And so now I feel like Ashna, you know, because the last time she saw her mother, she yelled at her for hating and accused her of hating her because of the way that she was conceived. And so she's essentially forgiven herself and she's forgiven Shobi. And now she's like rushing over there to tell her that. Yeah, I think that's really beautiful about the story is like we talked about this with Sonali of like, sure, it's a love story and we love Ashna and Rico and seeing their story progress, but it's just as much about Ashna and Shobi and their mother-daughter relationship and the fact that like really the last thing that needs to get resolved and it feels like the one of the more important things too is their relationship. That's ultimately what's going to kind of resolve everything within Ashna is like, yeah, great, the Rico thing. Yeah, great. <laughs> but like Shobi, it's like, oh my goodness, you know, all these feelings of resentment that she had been holding on for so long, now she's kind of breaking free and, and past that and can have an open and honest relationship with her mother. This whole book has been this thing of like Ashna's foundation was cracked from the beginning. Her being real with herself about the kind of father her father was but now, like, being able to forgive and have a relationship with Shobi, that's healing her foundation. And I feel like she and Rico, like, this is only going to strengthen their relationship and make her more sure of herself by, like, having this conversation with Shobi. So she she bursts in and is shocked to see that the house is clean because Shobi just leaves stuff everywhere. Yeah. And so she's like, oh, no, like, she left and she didn't tell me and she did it again. Another small weird thing, she runs around the house, goes upstairs, finds the jewelry box with her mother's engagement ring in it that essentially Shobi threw in the trash when Ashna was 13 years old and she fished it out of the trash and is like mom's gonna thank me one day for saving her marriage and so now here we are she's holding the ring throws it out the window <laughs> goes downstairs and Shobi is like no 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 me and Mina we're here we were having tea on the porch we're here we're here they have sort of a very beautiful reunion where you know she forgives her and says like I'm really sorry that I saw you this way for so long. And Mina's beautiful and cocky. And she's like, if you screamed because you thought Shobi was gone, then that's good news, right? Like Mina's like, I've had my watch set to when you're going to forgive your mother. I can see that I'm right. And <laughs> I just wanted to say that for you guys. <laughs> yeah, I think it's funny that even like Ashna points this out. She's like, when did these two become like a comedy duo? Because they're both like, kind of like riffing off of each other. And I think because it's like, Shobi like having that the weight of those secrets off of her she's like feels this lightness and she's like okay like we could finally move forward so maybe that's why you know when they hear Ashna scream they're not like concerned <laughs> they're like 
what's going on? Oh, you're back? Great. Like, come come join us. We're having tea. <laughs> yeah. Then Ashna, after sort of that great showby hug, she's like, I just threw a diamond ring out the window. Um, <laughs> yeah. Do you guys want to help look for it? <laughs> And so they, they sort of rummage everywhere, and, and once they find it in the garden, Mina kind of excuses herself, and, and Ashna confesses to her mom, like, you threw this out when I was 13, and I saved it, and I was sort of waiting for that day when you would be like, oh, thank you for saving my marriage, and I was just such a stupid kid, I had no idea how anything worked, or what even made a good marriage. They both are very open with each other. Shobi even tells her, she's like, even though, like, Brahm and his abuse was like a dark spot on my marriage, you were truly like the bright light for me. And I felt like I was weak in my marriage until you were born. And you are what gave me strength to like keep going and, and not take any of his crap anymore. Referencing Sonali's interview again, and I think this is mentioned in the book too, but like there is like this lie that women are are fed when they're forced into a situation or a marriage of like, well, if you just give in, and if you give up your dreams and you give up everything, you're just going to be happy. And that's like sort of what Shobi thought her life was going to be until she found out she was pregnant with Ashna. Oh my goodness, like I'm going to fight, fight so much for her and fight to still be the person and not lose myself in this marriage because I can still be me and, and break free beyond all of this. So rather than settling into a life that she didn't want, she chooses to fight and Ashna was the reason for that. I feel like this is this episode is really just like a cliff notes of our interview with Sonali because we're <laughs> still thinking about it. But something also very poignant that she said is like she wants to bust this myth that like marriage is the happy ending. Yeah. Because I feel like every single movie, every single everything has been in service of from meet cute to courtship to engagement. You know, that's the really exciting part of being in a relationship. And once you're married, you're happy, you're good, you're done. I think that she's trying to get to this place of like, just because you're married doesn't mean that your life is better. It doesn't mean that you're happy. I think you just get, you know, and both you both you and I are very much unmarried. So I can only guess. Yeah, sure. But <laughs> I, I do think it's this thing of marriage doesn't solve your problems. It gives you a whole new set of problems to deal with. Obviously, like Brahm was a very abusive and manipulative person. But I like the lesson that like, don't aim for getting married, aim for finding someone who's phenomenal and who lets who give someone who gives you the space to be yourself. And that was another thing Sonali talked about. And it's something that Ashna sort of talks about with Rico about how like they both sort of came into themselves and still found each other and still sort of came together. I think what we all think of as a lot of the central conflict of Jane Austen novels, like of get married, you know, because marriage for a long time represented like security for women. Like there wasn't a way that you could make your own money. So like the way that you rose up, the way that you survived was by getting married. And what Ashna has the freedom to do because of sacrifices that people like Shobi have made are that she doesn't have to. The only thing she needs to focus on is finding somebody who who accepts her and loves her for it. Kind of in, in talking about then that um, Ashna asks Shobi like, so you were there that day. You were there the day dad died. And I only know this because of Rico. By the way, Rico is the guy who I'm in love with. And Shobi's like, 
wait, that's why he looks so familiar. Like, uh, it's the same kid who was in that office and who is now falling in love with you on national TV. Both of them sort of come together and they're like, there's so much you don't know. So Ashna's confessions are all about Rico. And she says, like, I'm really sorry for shutting you out. And she's like, I'm really sorry for leaving you at the time. I really thought it was the best thing for you. And I wish I hadn't done that. She says the same thing to Shobi that Rico said to her. She says, I'm not leaving mom and I won't push you away, I promise. And so Shobi told her how she ended up a Raje, how she had become a mother and found her power, how she had started her foundation, how she had never looked at her own father again. Finally, she told her what she'd been so angry with her father and Brahm. And then Asha's like, is his name Omar? And we kind of get back into, uh, I heard everything, mom. I I know more than you think. And so I think it must be such a relief for Shobi to be able to talk about Omar because like, I, I forget if it even mentions if they're married, but I feel like he's been her partner her whole adult life. And I think it must be such a relief. It sounds like they've been together even since Ashna was young. And yeah. so it must be so hard to have someone who's so important to you and not be able to share that with your daughter. Yeah, because even like Ashna asks about it. She's like, weren't you afraid of like the scandal of it, of like being with someone while you're still married? And she's like, well, that's why it was a secret. And so <laughs> she was able to put all the attention on the on the great work she does. And it's not like she just puts more attention on her work than her private life in the public so it's not like she's keeping omar a secret it's just like more like redirect everyone's attention so they don't you know ask questions about it so she's like it's an open secret really at this point we end the chapter on Shobi saying something really beautiful. She talks about Omar. When we first met, he was the only person I knew who wanted me to be me. By the time we found our way back to each other, I had become a person who could only be me. Maybe that's the big love story, finding that. And I drew a heart in the book <laughs> because I was like, that's so beautiful. The idea of just like, instead of just blindly chasing after somebody because you think that their love is going to make you happy, it's it's really like you have come into yourself and they accept you and love you for it. I think that's what's really beautiful about both Shobi and Ashna's romances and also the love they have for each other. I mean, I feel like that could be said of any relationship between friends and parents and anything. Mm-hmm. Just like you are yourself and everyone around you loves and accepts you for it. A lot of great lessons in, in these chapters. It is. It's very. Pro- it's like a very profound way to look at romantic relationships. Sort of looking at yourself first, liking who you are, making that the foundation for looking for a partner. You know, not, oh my gosh, I'm broken and I really hope this person accepts me. I'm obsessed with this person. How can I change myself to be the kind of person that they would love and accept? It's just about like, here's me. Hope you're into it. <laughs> Yeah. With that, we can go into chapter 34. It is now the day of the final episode of Cooking with the Stars. They're going to shoot the episode live, which is an exciting new element. A lot of the audience is going to be a surprise. They're like behind a a secret screen that they can't see. But it's been a a few hours since Ashna seen Rico and she's just like missing him already. Now that their truth is out there, like she can't bear to be apart from him for too long. But you know, they're still their own people and individuals, but you know, just happy to be together. 
And so we check in in the green room and we see Song, who's like a bit disheveled. Her lip gloss is kind of messed up. She is suspicious because Song has had this crush on Rico for a really long time. And now she's looking a little like happy loopy, like she's been uh, making out with someone. And so she heads out. Her good friend China is there, China Dashwood. And she's like, has she been? She looks happy. Have you seen Rico? And China's just sort of like, she's fine. Song is not interested in Rico. And she's like, mm hmm. And she's like, and Rico's not interested in her. China's interested in someone else. And like, she finally gets the hint that, like, obviously, she says, um, oh, Ashna says, recognizing China's tone, it was possessive. And so they kind of like <laughs> have a moment where they like hug and high five each other, like, good for yeah. you for finding someone hot. Um, I'm happy for both of them. <laughs> and yeah. so they kind of like, are like okay we need to do this challenge but clearly there's a lot to catch up on so like pause focus on you and then we will unpack this later yeah which like part of like the suspiciousness of it too was that song knew that rico was on his way she was like how do you know where rico is and i don't even know where he is which again they don't have each other's numbers so she couldn't just text him to be like where are you at i was like you can't be mad at him if you don't have his phone number but we go out to the sort of filming area and you're right like the the audience is a secret and so rico's there and he he's very much more touchy-feely with ashna they're not like it was tense their shoulders were a centimeter apart but yeah it's not of that they're there's touching again thank goodness and so the final challenge of the show is they can only cook using five utensils and so they have a little brainstorm sesh where they're like what do we make with five utensils and so they make lamb chops and a biryani style pilaf yeah and it's something that's going to be more um true to what rico's familiar with and like Ashna is like, okay, but Brahm had this really great lamb chop recipe. I could go there, but then she kind of is like, no, no, I don't want to go to that. And so she does kind of work together with Rico on like their version together. It's not like just Rico's version. It's not just Ashna's version. It's like them coming together and, and making something really delicious that is both of them, you know? There's a really beautiful sentence here where she writes, it tasted like Rico's childhood combined with their future together. Together, and it felt like she was flying because it's been that's been like her biggest obstacle on the show this whole time is that she can only cook her father's recipes and now here's her opportunity to make this lamb chop that is allegedly her father's life work and his whole heart and soul went into this lamb chop recipe she could win it all with that and she's like I don't want to make that version. I want to make this version. And the anxiety has left her. Like, she has been yeah. healed of that. She has Rico. She gets a lot of strength from him. And they make this dish together. Also, we get a little bit that uh, she makes another chai, which, like, we've been seeing a little bit more of Ashna making her own tea. So they're planting something that we find out about in the next chapter. But we'll get to that in a bit. The rest of this cooking competition, they finish up their dish, they've timer goes off. The reveal is that the audience is their families again. So what? that's really nice. And Ashna's family is there to support her. Sadly, um, Rico doesn't have anyone in the, in the audience, but for good reasons, because his friend Z kind of joins via like Skype or something. And it turns out that they're pregnant. So that's really exciting that he's going to have another godchild. So. so yeah, so it's sort of a nice moment where like, 
Ashna and Rico are now openly affectionate with each other. And so her family's been watching this her whole time and they're like, hey, what's with the touchy feelies with like the hot athlete? Like, care to elaborate? Her cousin's like, when are you going to introduce us to your boyfriend? Yeah. <laughs> Well, and it's really beautiful because Shobi's like, welcome to the family, you know, and I, I feel like this is another sort of like mountain that has been reduced to a teeny tiny molehill because the whole conflict between them as teenagers was the fear that her family wouldn't accept him. And that's a, such a non-issue. They're so, they're like, it reminds me of the scene from my big fat Greek wedding when she finally introduces Ian to the family and they're like, Ian! Like, they're so happy to see him, and they're like, we never think it would happen with her. Never. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, cool. Oh, and then he pulls this shenanigan where he drops to one knee in front of everyone. Oh, yeah. No one's breathing. She's like, your <laughs> knee. He's like, it's fine. And he's like, Ashnaraje, will you give me your phone number? Because I do not have it. And like, it's a fun, ah, you. Yeah, for the TV, for cameras. And the funny cute. thing is, it's like all, it's kind of all for show and it's fun and it's cute, but like, they don't even win the competition. Yeah. And <laughs> it's funny because I feel like so much of this competition has so not been about winning. The only time we sort of cared was when Shobi was like, if you don't win, I'm going to sell Curry Dreams because my name is on the deed. But that's kind of not what their relationship is anymore. It's much more about like, I just want you to be happy. And if Curry Dreams makes you happy, then like have, I mean, we don't see this conversation, but we assume that it happened. So someone, some guy named Danielle one with a turducken, <laughs> they sort of like, it's just sort of like a, a non-issue. And they just sort of like go back to the hotel, just Ashna and Rico. And she's like, you gave me a heart attack. I thought you were actually proposing to me in front of all of those people after we've literally just reconnected they're like it's a really beautiful moment where she's like thanks for knowing me but then he gets on one knee and she's like your knee and he's like it's good as new and he proposes with a beautiful ruby necklace because he's like i don't think rings are really your thing but he basically says like Put me out of my misery and let me spend the rest of my life with you. They're basically officially engaged. And he even put hashtag Ashiko on the back of the necklace. Yeah, it's really sweet. But actually, I'm I'm curious because while it, I mean, obviously he got down on one knee and it, it seems like a proposal. To me, I don't think they're actually engaged. I think it's more of just like this promise to like. That's true. Let's just be together for life. And like, we don't need to worry about like the semantics of like the marriage because like, obviously that carries some negative weight for Ashna too. And so the great thing is like, he was like, this is a necklace and not a ring. It's something like you can just wear. What did she say? Like the pendant was on a chain, a chain that didn't feel like a chain, but a lifeline. Aww. And so I think that's really beautiful, too. It's like just all the symbolism that like Rico was very aware of what Ashna feels about all of this and like really found something that would that she would like and that she would be happy to wear and as a symbol of their love and and i think for right now like who knows what is uh down the line for them but right now it's more of just like a symbol and a promise of his love to her and not so much like this is my claim on you you know that sort of thing. no and you're you're right i'm sure i misspoke it like because it's easy to get caught up in like the th sort of theatrics of it but the happy ending for them isn't marriage it's like having yeah. found their way back to each other basically he's making the proposal of like i want to spend the rest of my life with 
with you. I want you to want to spend the rest of your life with me. But my mother would be appalled if I made this kind of a declaration and this kind of a promise without offering you something. And like we learned earlier, like early, early, early in the book that like rubies look particularly beautiful on Ashna. She's got a lot of very personal jewelry that like rubies are for her. And so he got her that. It's very beautiful. It's a symbol of their, it's, you're right. It's like more a symbol of the love that they have for each other. I also feel like it's probably easier for her to wear a necklace than a ring when she is in the kitchen because you can't True. have anything on your hands. So That's also I think a it's, considerate part of it. Yeah. It's very romantic. Like she, she sweeps her beautiful hair aside and he puts the necklace around her and she says, thank you for finding me again. You know, I feel like that's sort of what this whole journey for them has been about. Like they were separated under terrible circumstances. Sonali said this in her, our interview with her. She's like, Rico and Ashna are just magic. Like they are sort of supposed to be together. I just sort of like love the journey of self-discovery that they took on the way to this moment where, you know, you're not like, we're not really on pins and needles about like, are they going to get married one day? Are they going to have kids one day? Like right now they're just happy to have each other again because they were lost and now they are found. And I guess the one last tidbit before we get into the last chapter is that um, Yash had offered uh, Rico a job uh, to be his campaign strategist. So oh, that's right. really exciting. The bromance continues. <laughs> we saw this moment when they saw each other after the competition and he was like, thanks for your notes on that thing, bro. We could use you on the campaign. <laughs> and he was like, this is the best moment of my life. <laughs> oh my god. Two for one. All these yeah. of all the Rajes. Chapter 35, the very last chapter, it kind of feels more like an epilogue to me because yeah. it's like, it's very short. It's just sort of a Almost like a Shakespearean wrap up on like the conflict is over. We've sort of resolved most things. We're in India. We're assuming it's sort of like a month or a couple of weeks into the future because Shobi has just uh, accepted the Padma Shri. Ashna is there to support her as she accepts her award. And it's sort of afterwards and they're on this beautiful beach where it's Shobi, Omar, Ashna, and then they are joined by Rico, who is sweaty and hot from coming on of a great run. And she's yelling at him about his knee and he's like, I'm fine. And if that's not every like marriage that I've ever heard, I don't know what is, (laughs) but it's just sort of like a beautiful moment of all four of them at peace with each other and with themselves and it's sort of like we hope to imagine that like the worst is behind them yeah and even like seeing the relationship in the short time that i'm sure has started to be built between ashna and omar like the fact that he's already treating her like a daughter and is has extended the love that he has for Shobi to her. And like, and I'm sure like the way that Shobi's talked about Ashna over all these years, I'm sure for him, it feels like he's always known her. So he's just uh, getting to love her like a daughter in person now and more openly. Yeah. And so something that we've seen Ashna do throughout the book is she makes her own tea blends and gives them names. And she's got a sensational new blend that she calls Family Ties. And that is the tea that they're all drinking while enjoying the gorgeous view. We learn that Curry Dreams has undergone a complete remodel, total makeover. That's going to open in three months. I mean, I really hope we get to see more of that in the next book. Like, I want to see some events at Curry Dreams. And I want people to be like, this is the coolest place I've ever been. Yeah, which like on that, it's not going to be a restaurant anymore. It's going to be... 
a chai and pastries place. So it's a completely different place now. And she even talked to her Aji about, I'm going to maybe let go of the name Curry Dreams. And uh, she kind of got the okay or the blessing to do that. And like even her grandmother, you know, acknowledges like we did all we can with Brahm and like, you know, there's only so much we could have done. Acknowledges that like Ashna did pay the highest price of it. But now, you know, in in rebuilding the restaurant to be something that is actually her true vision and and true love of what she wants to do with her life, she now gets to like rebuild her future, which is really awesome. And I think it's really interesting that even in like the last two pages, we're still sort of discussing who Brahm was. And it kind of makes me think <laughs> another thing that Sonali told us is that she's not a huge fan of the 1995 Sense and Sensibility movie. Yeah. Which I was like, okay, that hurt a little bit, but I hear your opinion and I love you so much that I respect you for it. Yeah. But definitely a moment that I think is very moving in that movie is like at the very, very end where um, the sisters are having their double weddings and they've found their happily ever afters. You know, we thought that our hero was going to be the handsome and dashing Willoughby and that he was going to marry Marianne and and they were going to have this beautiful life together where they just read Shakespeare sonnets all day and go for open carriage rides. He chose something else over that and is like sort of looking at this wedding happening in the distance. And he just kind of like, it's just sort of like his last glimpse of the love of his life. And he just sort of like goes on to live the life that he chose for himself. I bring that up because we're sort of like, we hate Willoughby for what he did to, you know, he basically got a woman pregnant and like, she's not destitute because of her class, but she could have been. He left Marianne brokenhearted. So we like hate him. And same with Brom, like we've hated him for most of this book. And we're still sort of questioning like why he was the way that he was, even at the end when we're saying that like everyone is better off without him. Everyone's moved on. Everyone is like, it's taken a while, but we've moved on and we're happy. We hear it from his own mother where he's she's just like, we tried with him. Like we tried everything and he just sort of couldn't be stopped. We tried logic, bribery, punishment and separation. I tried affection, tough love, everything. But he was who he was. Every time life presented him with two choices, he chose the easier one, the selfish one, and it destroyed him. I I feel like we're sort of like closing the pages on Brahm where we're like, there was no changing him. And I, I feel like that's kind of the point of all the characters in this book is like, there's no really, you don't really change someone. Like they just, you have to let them become who they're going to be. And sometimes there's the worst version of that, Brahm, who like was just grabbing onto everything and was so awful and manipulative. And sometimes it's like, there are these people who like had to suffer from those actions, but like they still became who they were meant to be and they found each other again and they were happy. The last thing that we're kind of left with is um, Shobi saying to Ashna that the night that she was born, she had a vision like this of us with this feeling in our hearts like anything was possible and that we were feeling loved and free and it filled me with so much hope that I scratched out your name on the birth certificate and put down the only word I could describe how I felt, Ashna. And it means beloved or devoted to love. I mean, it's just sort of like a beautiful ending where like the parallel love stories have like met at the end where like Shobi and Omar had a lot of rules and laws keeping them apart. Rico and Ashna, you know, it started with her father's like hatred of Rico and like everything that he represented. But then it was sort of them getting over their own emotional hurdles to like come together at the end. So it's a beautiful ending to a very difficult story that, you know, has 
had many obstacles for so many of these characters, but it's really great to see how they've really overcome all of those things to really find their way to this ultimate peace and love with each other in their uh, with their families. So um, it's really exciting that, you know, we'll hopefully get some insight into it in the next book Sonali's writing. But for now, uh, that's the end of Recipe for Persuasion. I know. And I'm going to miss it because there were a lot of like, I mean, there were a lot of hard moments, but there were a lot of like very beautiful moments in this book as well. Like, I mean, and I've said it before, like Sonali's writing is just so layered and beautiful and like she really goes into like the psychology and culture and like where did this start and how does it affect you now so everyone if you haven't like bought it and read it yet just do it yeah just do it (laughs) um i'm definitely gonna miss talking about this but i can't wait for the next book Yeah, which I guess looking forward to what's next for us in the podcast, um, we are going to take a break for the holidays. So uh, we'll probably be back in like January, February, depending on what we'll cover next, which if you have suggestions of what we should cover next, feel free to send it our way through our social media at the Pemberley or over email thepemberleypodcast at gmail.com. But yeah, just stay in touch with us on social media and see what we're up to on there. All right. Bye, everyone. Goodbye.